to the New Vine Lakes podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Steve Troyer and that as you listen, your faith truly does come alive in Jesus. I'm just going to turn to Genesis. We're doing our, our last in a series, uh, the Genesis of All Things. And uh, glad that you're with us. And um, if you've been a part of this series over the last number of weeks, um, it's been a lot of fun actually just going through the origin stories of uh, what God was doing both in a people, but then also the origin of man. And uh, each of us created in the image of God, but then also uh, that when sin entered the world, that there was such a great cost that corruption came into the world. And God gave uh, really a redeeming aspect to that uh, situation through Noah. And then also uh, we centered on last week on Abraham and what God did in him, establishing him in a promise that he had for him. Today we're going to move forward into a story that's two generations on. It's Jacob's story. And, uh, and so if you have your Bibles, you can turn uh, with me to Genesis. Uh, I think we're going to be looking at chapter 28 uh, to, to start off with. And then we're going to be uh, moving through from there. But uh, in this particular story... I want you to pick up on just the depths of despair that Jacob went through before he, he actually saw God come and, and encounter him in a way that was just uh, completely beyond what he, he ever had thought would be possible. And uh, in this story is, um, if I could just premise it, something that Jack had said earlier. I'm so glad that you brought that word before, Jack. Um, around how those who are in fear or in despair, God meets you where you're at. Uh, Jacob's story this morning, if that is you this morning, if you recognize that that is you this morning, uh, you're going to be encouraged this morning because God wants to minister to you uh, in your story. So I'm just going to pray and then we're going to get into this story. So uh, let's just pause for a moment. Father God, we thank you so much that you write our stories, that you, you are the one, Lord God, who comes before us. You are the one who has blessed us through Jesus' name. Father God, we just uh, recognize that for any of us who find ourselves at the end of ourselves or find ourselves in a place where we uh, wonder, where are you in the midst? Father God, we ask that this morning that there would be encounters of your Holy Spirit upon each one here, no matter how long they've been walking with you or how, uh, how uh, soon that might have been, Father God, we ask that there would be an outpouring of your Spirit upon your people. All those who agree said, Amen. Okay, Jacob. Jacob was a twin. He was not an identical twin. Uh, his brother Esau was as hairy as an Ewok. Um, Jacob, uh, I, want to, I want you to pick up on the story when Jacob was running for his life. Found himself in a place where he had so broken relationships, he had to run away. In fact, uh, he had two things going on at the time. One was his mum had said to him, go to my country land, which was in the east, across the Jordan, find yourself a wife amongst my people. And then come back. So he was going with his mother's instructions, looking for a wife. But at the same time, he could not stay where he was because things had been so broken that he found himself in a place of, God, I, I don't know what to do. I've got to leave. I've got to run. 
and he had to run because his brother Esau wanted to murder him. That's how bad it got. See, Jacob had actually uh, cheated his brother Esau for the blessing, a blessing that was normally pronounced upon the eldest. Uh, He had taken advantage of his father, his father being poor in eyesight. Uh, He ended up going in and saying of himself that he was Esau and received the blessing that Esau was due to get. That blessing was one that carried on the same line of Abraham and then also Isaac, his father, and then was now carried on and passed on this time to Jacob when it was meant for Esau. Before that, he had also taken advantage of his brother Esau in the way that his brother was famished. He had come in one evening being very hungry. And so Jacob thought, I'm going to barter this situation and get his birthright. Now these two, they're born at the same day, like they're, they're, they're twins. You would think the birthright would be for both of them, but it was due Esau. A birthright was an inheritance that was double the inheritance of the next uh, kids. And so, and so Esau carried that, but he gave that over. And Jacob was warring after this. He was contending for it. In fact, when it came to the blessing, again, Jacob's thinking, I'm a twin. I'm part of this scenario It's due me also. When he was uh, in his mother's womb, uh, his mother says that, um, Rebecca says that her womb was, or the babies within her were jostling and uh, in unrest uh, during her pregnancy. uh, To the point where she asked God, God, what is going on inside of me? And God responds to her by saying, there are two nations in you. The older will serve the younger. Later on, when uh, they were born, Esau came out first, hairy. And, uh, and then, surprisingly, as he comes out, here is a hand gripping onto Esau's ankle. Have you ever seen that before? I've never heard of this happening before. He was Jacob holding on to, like in Superman pose, coming out from, um, dun, dun, you know. Uh, here he was holding on to uh, his older brother Esau. And Jacob, the very name Jacob means grasping at the heel. And he would actually do that again and again and again with his brother Esau, always contending for the first place. Even his father would look to Esau as being his favourite and his mother would look to him as being her favourite. They actually set up a a scenario where Jacob would be vying for first place. And here he is on the run. All he had with him was his staff. Maybe you've you've been in a place, maybe not so much that you've uh, been in a place where somebody wanted to hunt you down. But you've been in a place where you've despaired what would take place next. Maybe you've been in a place where you found yourself uh, knowing that your past has haunted you. And there's things that are trying to catch up with you from your past. Here is Jacob running from his past. All he has is his staff with him and he, he runs in haste. Jacob gets as far as he can go towards the northeast and the sun sets 
And eventually he ends up just having to find a stone. He uses the stone as a, as a pillow. don't know if you've used a stone before as a pillow, but he did. And he laid down, he fell into a deep sleep. And in the deep sleep, he has a dream from God. Now, this is the first dream he's ever had from God. He had heard of encounters that his father had had, Isaac. He had heard of encounters that his grandfather had had, Abraham. He knew the promises that they were given. The promises being, uh, you will have a land of your own, even identifying with a particular land in which he stayed. And then also, you'll become a great nation. Through you will become many descendants. You'll be blessed and you'll be a blessing to many others. He knew that promise, but all of a sudden he encounters God with a dream. Can I just pause you for a moment? Your kids, uh, for those who are parents, your kids know the promises of God. They need their own encounter. Maybe you're here as an adult uh, or a young adult or a senior youth here this morning, and you're like, I've never had an encounter with God. I know the promises. I know who he is. But there's an encounter that God wants to have with you that's possible through Jesus, God's son. Here is Jacob. He finds himself at the, at the place where he's the most vulnerable. And that's where God encounters him. Can I, can I just pause you for a moment? Do you know, God wants to encounter you in your most vulnerable place. Oftentimes it's when you've actually left everything behind, all of your strengths, all of the the name that you had, all the things that you know to be true about yourself, and you put all that aside, and then all of a sudden, that's where God meets you. It's true in so many different places. It's true in in coming into the gifting that God has for you. It's true of uh, knowing who He is for you. It's Rather than trying to war out and, and wrestle God for what he has for you, there's this sense of which you lay everything down and then you're ready to receive. I've been in ministry spaces before where, uh, in fact, I, I had done my knee in a number of years ago and uh, it needed uh, like a, a repair on my ACL. And there was a lady in town from, uh, from Bethel Church, Elizabeth Risling, I think her name is. And, um, and she was praying for the sick and, and had seen a number of people get healed. Even that night, we saw a number of people get healed. She came over to pray for my knee and I began to pray with her. And she goes, hang on a minute. Stop praying. This is not your turn to pray. It's my turn. I just want you to receive. What was she doing? She was bringing me to a place where uh, I was ready to receive and laying down all of my strengths. Laying down everything of me contending with God, but just simply being in a place where I was ready to receive. Here's Jacob. He's ready to receive. He has this dream. In the dream, there's a staircase that goes from the earth up to the heavens, and he sees angels ascending and descending up and down the staircase. And he realizes this is a place of God. This is, this is a place where the heavens are opened. And then he he sees the Lord at the top of the staircase and it's the Lord who says to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And he begins to relay all of the promise that was given to his ancestors. And now he's encountering God for himself. Such a powerful moment. Then he says, as you go, I'll be with you. 
And I will bring you back to this country land, which was a part of the promise. This country will be yours. Your descendants will fill it. You'll be a blessing and you'll be a blessing to uh, the nations. Uh, In fact, he goes on to say that, Jacob, you will be a blessing and your offspring will be a blessing. Who is the offspring he's speaking of? Well, none other than Jesus. Jesus would become the blessing that we have received blessing from and that we become a people of blessing through Jesus himself. And so this story matters to us because rooted here is the story of blessing that goes all the way back to Jacob. Jacob, uh, at the end of of, uh, having this dream, he awakens, and I want to read to you um, what happens next in verse, we might pick up verse 16 and then 17. Uh, which I think we've got verse 17 up on the screen for you. But let me just read to you verse 16 firstly. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Say gate. This is the gate of heaven. This is interesting. Like what, what he sees What he ends up saying is true of this place. And he calls it the house of God. The house of God, he ends up using the word Bethel, which means house of God. This place was named after his experience, Bethel. Now, if we were to pause here for a moment and go back to Abraham's story, when Abram or Abraham first came into the promised land, he first went to Shechem. And then from there, after encountering God at the very heights of the, of the land, he came further inland and came to a place between what uh, Moses describes as between Bethel and Ai. And he encounters God in that place. And as he encounters God, he builds an altar. He sacrifices to the Lord and he worships the Lord there. I find it significant that Abraham was in that place some years before. Before the promise had even come true with Isaac being born, he was given an encounter with the Lord where he knew, God, you're in the midst of this. I can trust you. This is your promise. In fact, it's at that promise. He reasserts it later on when he comes out of Egypt. He goes straight back up to that same place and ends up uh, building an altar again and calling on the name of the Lord in that place. I find it amazing that the generations before become the gateway to the next generation. There's a place um, over in Wales called uh, Fafaldi uh, Brennan Retreat Centre. Uh, a guy by the name of Roy Godwin. Anybody read his book? It's The Grace Outpouring. No, okay, I highly recommend it. So the grace outpouring, he writes a second book uh, called the, um, the Way of Blessing. Do you know of this place at all? You're nodding, I'm just wondering. Or you know of the story maybe. Oh, both in Kurong. There you go. <laughs> on special right now. In fact, I think there is a special on right now. Okay, so just a segue. Um, anyway, so this guy, Roy Godwin, uh, he ends up... And I don't want to wreck the story for you. I'd love for you to read it for yourself. But he ends up in this retreat center, um, feeling the call of God. He was, I think he had some pastoral or ministerial kind of role before that. And he he felt like God had given him a word that he would reach many people. But it was totally opposite the experience because he realized where God was calling him to was a very unfamiliar place. It's out 
um, in the hills, in the country, where not many people go by. And here's this retreat center, but he feels drawn to it. He knows that God's in it. He feels like, I need to be in this place. So as he begins to pray there, it becomes a house of prayer. And he realizes that actually this house, this retreat center, has actually had a history of being a house of prayer over Wales. And so slowly but surely, God begins to draw people to this retreat center. People be driving past in the country, see this winding road up to the retreat center and think to themselves, I don't know what that place is, but I know I need to go and check it out. So they drive up there and they would find themselves uh, connecting with Roy. Roy would say, come in, I want to hear your story. He'd offer them a cup of tea. And then afterwards, they'd go for a walk and he'd show them the grounds and eventually take them to the chapel. And oftentimes when he took them into the chapel, he would ask, you know, it's uh, in our custom here to bless people. Can I give you a blessing? And then he'd pray over them and they would have this incredible encounter many times or healings or God would just meet them in the place. It got so thick with the presence of God that when people would walk into the chapel, he wouldn't even have to ask them after a time, uh, would you like a blessing? They'd just fall straight on their knees. God, I had no idea you were real. God, I, I didn't realize that these things upset you. God, I, I need forgiveness. And they would just start to have this encounter with the Holy Spirit who is in that place. Who would love to have a house like that? So here was this generations. He, he goes back to the history of this retreat center. And in fact, this place was one of the epicenters of um, the Welsh revival. And he realized, God, there are generations that have gone before. Don't discount your encounter with God right now. It can be the gateway to what others receive generations on from now. Isn't that exciting? You can become a gateway. Church, we can become a gateway church. Where the Spirit of God, people walk in the doors and they're like, what's happening here? I don't know why I'm here. I just feel like I need to be here. People who come in and all of a sudden they encounter God with tears, with, uh, with an, an awe of God, and all of a sudden they realize God's in this place. Here is Jacob. He doesn't have anything to offer God. He's only, all he has is his staff. He has this dream and he realizes this is the gateway to heaven. This has to be the house of God. Well, we're going to fast forward through the next part of the story because he ends up uh, over the, the uh, Jordan River into the eastern regions. He ends up in a town called Haran, which is where, if you remember, Abram's dad settled, um, Terah. And, and then uh, also some of Abram's or Abraham's um, brothers and so on also stayed there. So Nahor, his brother, and all of his family line, which Rebekah, Isaac's uh, wife, was also from. And so he goes there and he falls in love with a lady called Rachel. Can I hear an ah? Oh. And uh, he, he's, he's so infatuated by her that, um, and taken by her that he says to her dad, Laban, I'll work for you for seven years in order to have the hand of your daughter in marriage. Can you imagine that? Seven years. And the, the record of this is that um, Moses says it was like a few days to him because he was so in love. Isn't that amazing? So anyway, he gets to the fast forward to the seven years, comes to the wedding day, and veiled in front of him is his, uh, his future wife. And uh, the very next morning when he wakes up, he realizes it's not Rachel next to him. 
his father-in-law has done a switcheroo on him and has basically given him his eldest daughter, Leah, and then says, it's not our custom to give away the, uh, the youngest before the eldest has been married. And so he ends up married to the eldest, Leah, and then uh, still in love with Rachel, um, seeks for the hand of Rachel. Now, this, if you've got a messy family, it doesn't get more messy than this, right? Because uh, in this family, something repeats in history, often does. And what happens is where he was being, his father and mother played favourites with his twin. Now here is Leah, even though they're not twins, Leah and Rachel. And his favourite is Rachel. And God sees the hurt that is happening in Leah's life, allows her to fall pregnant. She has first child, second child, third child, uh, while Rachel remains unable to fall pregnant. And she starts to despair because she, she realises, I'm unable to give Jacob what he wants. In that place, she decides to, to sign into the IVF program. In those days, they would get a servant and say, you marry my servant. And it's like an adoption of sorts, and that'll be my child. And that's what she did. It seems strange to us, but IVF would seem strange to them. Right? And so she does that. She has children through her servant. And then Leah thinks, I'll do the same. She starts to compete. She gets her servant, another IVF program, and, and does the same thing. And more children come. And then finally, Rachel has her children, two children in all, 12 boys all collected together in a messy home. And God is in the midst of all of this, right? All this time, you see, he could have gotten married and head home again. But uh, in all of this time, he, he continues on there because the pain of being home is so great. He knows that his brother is home. He knows that all of those things, he's not prepared to face yet, his past. But there comes a time when his father-in-law makes life so difficult for him that he realises the pain here is greater than facing the pain of my past. There, there comes a time in your life where you realise the pain of right now, of all the decisions that I've made, is greater than the pain of my past and I need to go face my past. And so Jacob makes his way. There's a lot of things that happen around this. I won't go into it. But he makes his way back home. He gets as far as the threshold of entering into his own country land. And he has another encounter by an angel. And this angel, uh, when he encounters this angel, he says, this has to be the camp of God. Remember the house of God, Bethel, now the camp of God. And uh, we find this in chapter 32. And then uh, he sends word ahead with a messenger or messengers to go and see if Esau, uh, what state he's in. He wants to test the waters. And all that comes back from his messengers is this. Esau is coming to see you in haste. And he's coming with 400 men. His knees begin to knock. His heart sinks. He realises this does not sound good. This is the kind of thing that happens if they're raising an army against me. And so he despairs. He, he figures out this is the worst scenario I could think of. And so he, he works out a way to try and pacify his brother in some way by sending ahead of him uh, gifts that would reach his brother before he got there and also sending his family ahead of him. Now Jacob is left all alone by himself. Familiar story. You see, when he came in, he came with a staff. Now that he's coming back, he sent all of his family ahead of him. Now he's left alone. 
When you're left alone, all the distractions, all the things that you would normally distract yourself with or uh, try and get away from your past, all of a sudden it comes front and center and you realize it's right here, I have to face it. And in the same way, Jacob was in that position. In fact, it's only in this position that you'll encounter God. In the sense where you lay everything aside and say, God, I come to you with nothing. God, I come to you in humility. I realize that nothing else will satisfy but you. He had the promise. He had the encounter. But he did not have the anointing. Not yet. And so in this moment, Jacob, uh, again, it's a nighttime thing that happens. It's not a dream this time. But uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, uh, let me read it to you. uh, Chapter 32, verse 24. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Say so what? I just picture a guy running in and crash tackling him. And then Jacob just holds and grips onto him. He's like, I'm not letting you go. You're not getting the best of me. And they wrestled right through the night. That's a long wrestle. I mean, I've, I've had a wrestle before. That's 15 minutes. And I've tapped out. But here is this wrestle right through the night. Who is Jacob? Grasps at the heel. Wrestles with man. He knew how to grip on. He knew how to fight for himself. He knew how to hold on. And yet he was at his very end. He didn't didn't know how to solve what was ahead of him with Esau. And here he was gripping on. And then when the angel, the man who tackled him, he, he works out as an angel because he touches Jacob's hip. His hip socket goes out and he realizes just with a touch, he's just put my hip socket out. And in great pain, he thinks to himself, if this is an angel, I'm gripping on until I get a blessing. I said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Grimacing through the pain. And so as he's holding on, the, the angel says to him, tell me, what is your name? My name is Jacob. It's like a, a revealing source because names meant a lot in those days. I'm the one who grasps onto heels. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, right? So... <laughs> And so this is an important moment because the angel says uh, in verse 28, Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. I've titled this sermon, Overcomers. And Jacob is one of the first of the overcomers. His name is now Uh, given as a new name, no longer somebody who grips onto other people, who wrestles things out with men, but now one who has not just wrestled with men, but wrestled with God, struggled with him in order to gain his anointing, his blessing. And here he is, he's spoken of as an overcomer. New name. The whole nation would be known as the nation of overcomers. Isn't that amazing? Your history line through Jesus belongs with the nation of overcomers. You are an overcomer. Tell the person next to you, you're an overcomer. But this overcoming comes with gripping onto Jesus, taking a hold of everything that he has for you. This overcoming doesn't come from your own strength. It doesn't come from your own name. It comes from his name. The great overcomer. You actually become someone who is more than a, what? A conqueror. More than a conqueror. Romans 8. 
He says, uh, you become the overcomer in Christ. You overcome your past. Who's grateful for that? You overcome sins. You overcome uh, the, the things that, that are in front of you that, that I guess could be the fear that's in front of you that you don't know how you'll get a past that situation or that, that relationship or those certain circumstances. And so you become an overcomer. Jacob with this new name, it totally defines him. He's anointed with this. Now he is one who has the promise but also has the anointing of an overcomer. And when he comes into connection now with his brother Esau, Esau very uncharacteristically welcomes him in and he becomes uh, reconciled with his brother in a way he never thought was possible. He becomes an overcomer. He ends up settling back in uh, the land that he was originally in. And he says to his, his, wives, his wives and his children, get rid of all of your idols. Say so what? Hang on. So they were carrying idols with him at this time. There were things that they were dualistically, like I serve God and yet I'm also serving an idol. Do you know, we, we can do that in life where we say, I will just hedge my bets. I think God is who he says he is, but just in case he's not, then I'm going to hold on to some certain things. And he says to his whole family, he leads them to say, it's now time to be all the way in. We're going all the way. And he puts everything he puts everything behind and he, and he buries all those idols. They go back to the place of, you guessed it, Bethel. And he ends up uh, you know, calling on the name of the Lord in that place. And it's there that God reasserts what was already spoken to him by the angel. He encounters God and God says to him, your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is now to be Israel. You're an overcomer. You need to hear this morning, no matter what circumstance you're facing right now, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what your past says of you, and let me tell you, your past can speak so loudly. It can define you if you don't lay it down because you're an overcomer. Amen? You're an overcomer. No matter what you've found in your past, you're an overcomer. Jesus has become your overcomer. How about you stand? I want to pray for you because I really believe that God, what God wants to do in you is to lead you into an encounter with Him where you come to know that your name has been written in Jesus' book of life. It's Him that you've come into. You are cloaked with Christ. Amen? And you've become an overcomer in Him. Okay, let's pray. You might just like to make this personal for you. I'll just give you a moment. Just lay down at the cross. Any past, anything that you feel like you're holding on to, maybe there's certain controls that you feel like, God, I'm not sure I can let that go. Maybe there's an offence that just seems too big to lay down. But like Jacob, you get to a place where you realise, I can't carry this. I don't have an answer for it. I must have the blessing of God. And so this morning, with hearts pulling on heaven, 
you can have your own blessing that comes through Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that for every single person that there will be a powerful encounter of your spirit. Father God, where there are those, Lord God, who are laying things down right now and they recognize you are the giver of good gifts. You are the one who meets us in our place. You said, where you are weak, I am strong. And so, Father God, I just declare your strength over each one. Lord God, I just really feel that the past seems to be so heavy, such a, a difficult thing to work through and to lay down. Lord God, right now, may this be the place that we lay it down in Jesus' name. And we just declare your strength, your name, Jesus, the overcomer, that our life would be depicted as one that is true of the overcomer. Father God, there's those here this morning that, that feel there are certain things in their life that uh, if their story was to be told, they'd realize there's things that they just can't get past. Maybe it's shame that seems to be so, uh, uh, so heavy on them. Everything of their past says that they're rejected, says that um, they're not worth it. Father God, we just lay that down right now. That's not theirs to carry. We lay it down. Lord God, even uh, sin that, that seems to be things that we don't know how to get past and it seems to be so heavy. Uh, something that we've tried in our own strength to wrestle out, but we recognize it's, it, I can't do it in my own strength. The only way to overcome is to come back into the Spirit in Jesus' name. So Father God, we lay that down right now. And we just declare the name of Jesus over every single person. We declare your blessing over them, that they would be a blessing to others. That, Father God, when people come in connection with them, that they would become a gateway of encounter in Jesus' name. Father God, that even as they walk into the supermarket and uh, as they're going down the aisle and they just centre their focus on you, that people all of a sudden around them come into an encounter, just like that. So, Father God, we ask, would you come minister in and through this church? We declare it, Father God. That you, would be, that you would lead us to be a gateway church, that you'd lead us to be a church of overcomers. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more resources or to find out what's happening in the life of our church, head to newvinelakes.com.au or find us on social media.